What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Yo, it's Johnny King and another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm bringing back a fan favorite because uh, all the ladies were like, yo, your bro, he's got the sexiest voice ever. I'm sure. Yeah. No, but I did actually get a, quite a few comments of guys being like, yo, I love this. Uh, a lot of guys obviously are into crypto and that are listening to it. And I felt like after we recorded in your house a couple of weeks ago, uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot left undiscussed and uncovered. So uh, bringing my brother, Peter King, back onto the Becoming Kings podcast to talk about crypto a little bit further in depth, because I'm learning right along with you, uh, listener, dear listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for joining, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, happy to talk about it. I love talking about it, but at the same time, uh, as I mentioned in the previous conversation, I am not by far from an expert. Um, I am not a financial advisor. Please do your own homework. Um, contact your own financial experts because I am not one. And and truthfully, I, I'm. I still feel like. I mean, I really am a baby in the crypto world. I've t- I, I'm learning from people who have been in it for six and seven years, which is almost the the full lifetime of that. Um, of the whole industry who have made millions of dollars, lost millions of dollars. I'm still scratching the surface. So I just want to be very clear uh, on where I'm at, but in the spirit of helping people up this mountain, if you're an absolute beginner, I can help you take a few steps up. Um, But if you're in the game, you probably have a few things to teach me. You're, you're scratching the surface. I'm just trying to grow fingernails. That's where I'm at. Exactly. So this, that's a good uh, context for, if somebody's listening, like, hey, I, I don't even have fingernails yet. Great. Yeah. I, I feel like I can at least point you in the right direction. Uh, but yeah, if you already have fingernails, you're probably going, it, it, wanting to reach out to me to let me know what I'm missing because I'm sure. I'm yeah, exactly. Them. Exactly. Well, and this episode is sponsored by your prebiotic soda and Pete's drinking his probiotic soda. You know, Again. we're brothers when we're drinking pre and pro. <laughs> biotics which when we asked each other what's what's the difference between pro and we don't fucking know <laughs> it's healthy right sure it's the new thing it's almost you like got- our mom ingrained oh. in us to always buy the new thing yeah she- our pants our pantry for those that don't know our pantry growing up was always we'd come home and i'm like mom what what the hell is this and she's like it's waffles they put the syrup already inside the waffle you can you don't even have to put the syrup on I'm like mom yeah, she, she had toast, the toast up a few of those. Those look delicious. Yep. The 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 goop, right? The peanut butter and jelly in the same same jar. That was a good one. So that, that saves a lot of time. Think of all the time. Granted, we were not single moms trying to raise five kids, so she probably looked at that and was like, "Oh, that probably does save a lot of time." <laughs> yeah, she's very want much about efficiency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, she anyway. had I, the 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 nerds 
cereal even remember when that came out is a cereal half box that was half like strawberry grape. and half grape yeah. cereal it was kind of tasted all like sugar. Uh, all sugar yeah all sugar yeah anyways crazy bless you mom here's to here's to here's to sal yeah <clears throat> here's to almost 20 years no 15 years 20 years anyways all good. So let's uh, let's launch back into this while guys are uh, rolling their eyes listening about our childhood. Um, we talked about the uh, the blockchain. We talked about the difference in cryptocurrencies. Um, why why we should even care? Right was a really good part of the I think the conversation because I think that's where we started. Was like, okay, what are cryptocurrencies and why should I even care? Right mm-hmm. now that it's clear that we should care. <laughs> maybe kind of we can talk about more of the the landscape and the map of the the, the greater uh landscape if you will and then we can get into the nitty-gritties of wallets and exchanges and nfts cool. and nodes and simple contracts and cool smart smart contracts yada 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 um sounds good Go. I, one of yeah one of the most frustrating right. things for me, as I've been trying to get up to speed with all this stuff is you keep hearing all these terms. And, and literally when you talk to people who know what they're actually talking about in the crypto space, because they've been in it for so long, they start speaking this jargon and you're like, you lost me in two seconds. I don't even know where we're at anymore. What the hell are we talking about? It reminds me of if you're old enough to remember when the internet first came out, people were talking about this Google thing and Yahoo. And like, these are weird names. We're not used to hearing these hotmail all this weird stuff and it was kind of hard to figure out exactly what are you talking about there's all these acronyms it's all these different things so i've started to first of all just immerse yourself into that space i i recognize that i'm not going to learn it all at once and so i just dove in two feet and literally started listening to videos and i'm like i don't know what they're talking about i don't know what they're talking about I don't know what they're talking about and just forced myself to start to listen. And then I'd start to hear patterns and then I would start to be like, Oh, okay. He's talking about a tool, right? This is a new tool. Oh, this is, he's talking about, you know, this is a a technology that they're talking about, right? So blockchain is the technology. Uh, Coinbase is a tool to buy crypto, right? Um, There's, you know, you've, I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard of Dogecoin or something like that. That's an actual asset you can buy. So my mind started to break down all the jargon into these different categories, these subcategories. So one of them to me is overall technology. So when you hear things like um, ERC 2020 token and blockchain, um, smart contracts, these are things that are referring to the technology of this new space that we all refer to as crypto. Um, Another category is uh, assets. So um, things like tokens, coins, nodes, NFTs, these are things that you can actually buy or license or have some type of ownership in. Um, Another category is um, tools. So things like wallets, exchanges, uh, hot wallet, cold wallet. Um, So those, those are categories that will help you better understand what you're actually talking about. So that when you come across a term that you're like, I don't even know what they're talking about, at least can we slot it into a subcategory? So I know, are we talking about an asset that I'm buying here? Is this a new technology that we're referring to? That for me was helpful to start to break those out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think very visually. So when I think of 
this new crypto world that's being built out. And I think we touched on this on the previous call, but just it literally is like a, a replica of the internet with far more um, security in terms of the transactability. So you can send and receive things in a highly secure way. And it's built, it's done with the intention of decentralization. So, so it removes the, or it puts the power back into the hands of the people who are using it because you're not handing over all of your privacy data, which is what big tech has been using to manipulate and to influence us to take action, to buy their products, to vote for their candidates, et cetera to feel certain ways about other people and blah, 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 blah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. But would you say that blockchain is kind of the equivalent to actual raw code? Because when we look at the internet, we're looking at browsers, web pages, you know, uh, all the things that are on those pages, right? But blockchain is really the infrastructure or the technology that drives all the other assets that are that we're actually it. able to built into it that we're able to see. I think that's hard for me sometimes with with uh, cryptos because I I kind of can't I can't tangibly see what's going on. So it just seems like all these things that I don't even have rep, uh, representation to. Yes. So other than the, a coin or something like that. Right. The, the the raw code itself is as strong as the ideas behind it that created it. So when we created the internet, we weren't thinking, the people that created the internet weren't necessarily thinking about, um, oh, think of all the data that we're going to be able to mine out of all the behaviors and all the clicks and all the uh, mm-hmm. eyeballs and all this, that, or whatever, which is going to be extremely valuable for somebody that's wanting to market or influence to the masses, mm-hmm. right? So we weren't thinking about the, the re- and this is why it's important to understand the birth of blockchain uh, and Bitcoin specifically is because it was birthed out of the 2008 financial calamity uh, that was depicted in the movie, The Big Short, which mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that movie, go watch that movie. It's a very entertaining movie, but it really shows you um, how how corrupt a lot of the financial system is. So the ideas behind blockchain were it, the whole energy behind all of this was we need to create something that allows for the sound transference of money, of value, because that's ultimately what's getting manipulated by central banking, by you know conglomerate corporations, multinational corporations, et cetera. So the ideas behind blockchain in and of itself from an energy standpoint was we're going to create something that that removes the power away from those big. Now, how did they do that? The whole idea, did we talk about what blockchain actually means? Why is it called uh, the blockchain? I think you talked about like the actual chain, like yeah. literally. And then once it kind of something, a block is put into it, then it can't be taken out. And then you're building the next part of the, in the chain, Correct. that sort of thing. But I don't know. If, is that what you mean? Yeah. And so those are all, um, all of that is, is documented in the public ledger. So you're able to see all of that, which again, mm. makes it more, um, uh, it, it makes it more difficult to to manipulate because all of the network is seeing what goes into that one block and the whole network is going, yep, we validate that. Yes, we, we agree that that's uh, valid. And once that gets put in there, then it doesn't change. And so it makes it very difficult because everything's quote unquote out in the open. Um, again, I'm, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, for those who don't know what a ledger is, explain what that is. Just think of it. So the 
the analogy that I often hear, and I've heard some people push back on this analogy, but for the sake of just getting started for growing your fingernails, so to speak, um, I think it's a helpful one, which is if you just think of a spreadsheet, like an Excel spreadsheet, think of an infinite spreadsheet that has infinite amount of cells in it. Each of those cells, think of it as a block. The data that you put into that block, then um, the network validates the data that's in that block. <clears throat> and so it goes to the first, I think I'm getting this correctly, so don't hold me 100% to this. Somebody smarter than me can explain it probably better, but this is how I understand it as of right now. When that data goes into that block, the system checks with another node and says, hey, is that is that data valid? Is that is that valid? And the node says, yes. Then it goes to the next, uh, the next piece. And it says, do you agree? Is this the same information that node number one said? Yes, I agree. Node number two signs off on it. Cool. Node number three, do you agree that this is? And so as the network, as that expands and it goes out over 50% of the network then says, yes, we all agree. That's the information that it should be in there. And then it gets, you know, minted, if you will, and it goes into that block and then it doesn't change. So in order in other words, in order for somebody to actually hack and break and manipulate the system, you have to have over 50% control of the network. So if you think of the internet being one massive network, you'd have to have over 50% control of that network to manipulate the data that goes into the block, so to speak. Um, and the cost to do that, it, it's not economical to do that. Right. Okay. I, I, so again, I remember you mentioning that a little bit, but that's helpful to hear. Yeah. I th again, I think I'm getting that right. At the very least, it's somewhat right. <laughs> somewhat right is yeah, well, good sure. enough. Is, yeah. Good enough to yeah. start with. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and so ultimately from, from there, that kind of answers my question. Like that's the, the underlying, you know, if we're talking about apples to oranges with the internet and actual raw code, the blockchain is kind of that, that foundation. But then on top of that, when we're looking at browsers and we're looking at content on browsers, everything that goes into the internet, um, but even what's you know possible through the internet, obviously, is data transfer. That's just how infinite uh, blockchain technology is as well, right? Well, it, of, it is, but this, this concept of being able to to validate proof of ownership is a relatively new one. And this is why it's confusing for a lot of people because they, they see these NFTs going for you know millions of dollars and they're going, wait, that's just a graphic. Like I can replicate to the pixel that exact graphic. I can literally quote unquote own my own version of that same graphic of that board ape or whatever. Why is that not a million dollars too? And so um, part of the reason why this is, this is, so innovative and so game-changing is because blockchain offers through the NFT proof of ownership. So the same way that you know somebody drives down the street in a Ferrari, <clears throat> you don't need a Ferrari. You can have many other lesser expensive cars to get you from point A to point B, but people buy that Ferrari for the social capital that it brings with it. Mm -hmm. Well, if you own a Bored Ape, you're now in a club of, you know, you can hang with Shaq. You can hang with, you know, huh. Usher. You can hang with, I don't know. I'm making these names up. I, I think Shaq owns uh, some board apes. But anyway, my point is, is you, there's social clout that comes with ownership of the NFT and you have verifiable um, 
uh, proof of ownership through blockchain. Um, and then a lot of times that this, we're getting into an NFT conversation right now. A lot of the other reasons why these NFTs are valuable is because they give you access to um, certain events. Um, depending on what goes into the contract of the NFT, depending, you know, for somebody that creates an NFT, you could say, for example, you and I have both in the have been in the Tony Robbins world. Um, if Tony Robbins came out and he said, hey, for the next Unleash the Power Within event that I have, um, in order to buy the ticket, you're actually going to buy that NFT. But with that NFT, you're going to get access to the Unleash the Power Within uh, event, number one. Two, you're going to have proof of ownership that you went and that you bought it and you have uh, had a ticket. But three, maybe you'll get uh, you know a private call with Tony, with, with Tony, one of Tony's uh, coaches. Number four, maybe it'll give you a discount to future events. Number five, you know what I mean? You can start to add on the, the sky's the limit in terms of your creativity to what do you want to put into that um, NFT itself. So when you own that NFT, you'll have access to different things. You'll have access to, in a lot of ways, community, which is something that that these NFTs bring with them that's very valuable, if that makes sense. It does make sense. But my head still has a hard time kind of wrapping itself around. Like I, I see board ape and all these nfts as as digital art yep right yep. now it it does look cool like okay cool some of these but when i think about the art that goes for millions of dollars it's a, a rare picasso or monet or whatever but i feel like these are just like college students or you know a 17 year old who stumbled upon turning his you know 365 day selfie project into nfts and they're selling for millions of dollars. I don't understand why people are spending so much money on random people's NFTs. Do you have thoughts around that? Um, <clears throat> I, I have some thoughts on it. I don't know enough to say conclusively, but I do think that some of that comes to uh, the scarcity of the thing. I mean, there's, uh, I've come across, you know, 14 year old kid that um, was a very talented artist and drew a bunch of characters and that became, I think he sold them for like 40 grand in a weekend. You know, and this was like his first NFT project. Um, but I think a big part of it was these are cool. They're, they're uh, a collectible, they're rare items. Um, who knows if this kid's going to be a big artist or some type of, you know, animator or something like that. And I got the first one and I have proof that I have the first one and maybe you only bought it for 150 bucks. And so um, there's on some level, there's uh, people who are in this space and they're investing in these new projects and they're investing in, say, a, a young kid that just produced a bunch of NFTs because they want to um, give gratitude and say, hey, this is really cool. I'll buy that for 150 bucks. Sure. Like just to acknowledge, here's a young entrepreneur. He's in this space. Every vote, every dollar that you spend in this cryptoverse is a vote for this new ecosystem and a, and a vote less for the incumbent bureaucratic world that we're shifting out of. Does that make mm. sense? So mm. sometimes it's, it's that. Sometimes it's access. Sometimes it's uh, status. Sometimes it's um, speculation. I think to some degree, sometimes it's probably fraudulent. I think there's probably some people that are laundering money. And mm -hmm. who's because that's why art, you know, offline art, paintings and stuff like that, it oftentimes becomes a place to launder money or to, you know, because it's who's to say how how much a painted red square is worth? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's $80 million. Well, I need to, 
you know, I have $80 million that I need to launder or whatever. So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden it's worth it to me. Right. So I yeah. think there's some of that that's going on. Um, but there's a lot. So for example, let's say, let's say with, uh, and again, I, I wish I knew more about this, but I believe if you are a owner of a board ape, you become part of the board ape club, so to speak. Well, who else is in that club? There's a lot of really famous celebrities and other people in that club. So just getting access to that community alone might be worthwhile for your business. It might be worthwhile for your, you know, social cred, your street cred. It might be worthwhile for you ego, egoically. There's, there's many reasons why that might be a thing. So, and the other thing that I think is helpful to remember too, is a lot of times these things are being sold in a crypto coin. So you'll see an NFT that sold for, you know, 40 ETH or something like that, which if you do the math is, I don't know, let's just say $125,000. Like, man, who would pay that much? Well, they didn't pay $125,000. They paid 40 ETH, Ethereum, which for people who have been investing in crypto for a long time, you know, they might've bought ETH when it was at three cents. Maybe Mm -hmm. they took 10 grand and they bought when it was at three cents. So they have hundreds, if maybe not thousands. So for them, 40 of these isn't necessarily what it's worth in dollars to them. It's, I have thousands of them, so I'm going to spend a little bit. Does that make sense? So it's it's maybe not as equivalent for us on the outside looking in going, oh, this is $250,000, which of course they could convert that into US dollars and, and invest in that. But they're they're in a new ecosystem. They're valuing things in a different way from a different uh, fundamental asset. Yeah, it makes me think of that story. And, and I, I vaguely know, but I thought uh, 10 years ago that one of the first transactions, Bitcoin transactions was like that dude bought a, uh, a pizza, two pizza, pizzas yeah. for 10 Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah. Which is now 40, what? 40 Bitcoins. Something like that. Something yeah. which now would be so much to, yeah what two million no two hundred thousand dollars two million dollars i'm doing math on know. the fly yeah 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 but i think that's the... more, more than a pizza would cost you today yeah yeah. yeah which i think is just the interesting thing is that you're you know with some of these different uh currencies you because they kind of play like the stock market you're using them as currency but they're not like uh you know, not like the U S dollar, you know, the U S dollar doesn't like, I don't give you a dollar today. And then 10 years from now, that dollar is going to be worth, you know, $10,000, you know, not right. drastically that much of inflation. But uh, I just think that's just the interesting thing that when you're playing in this world, there's just so much that's uh, changing. It just makes it, I think for, for those of us that are quote unquote scratching the surface, it just, it, it's hard to wrap, wrap your head around, you know? Well, a lot of that is due to market cap. Um, and and when you get um, when you have an asset class, so this is this is the new first, this is the new this asset class is the new like this has not happened in the last uh, last several hundreds of years. There's not been a new asset class. It's been primarily real estate, um, stock businesses, right? Um, commodities, there hasn't been a, an entirely new asset class. So when, mm. so that in and of itself is revolutionary, at least within the last few generations. Mm. Um, but the volatility, when you have a new idea like this, um, when money starts to come in, right? 
and then a big whale comes in and and makes a move and either buys something or sells something, it disrupt disrupts that whole asset class, that whole asset um, it, coin or whatever, because the one move by a bigger player creates so much volatility. Well, as the market cap increases, and now <clears throat> I think Bitcoin's somewhere around a trillion, it's floated above and be- below it. Um, a bigger move like that isn't going to create as much volatility because it's stabilizing because more and more people are getting into it. So in a in an early stage um, asset class like that, where you're going to see a lot of volatility, uh, and also there's not a lot of there's not a lot of um, real business being done. It's all infrastructure and built out. There's a lot of speculation right now, and so these big swings are you know, people betting that something's going to happen or something comes up in the news and and you got a lot of, for lack of better term, sheeple that go and say, oh, I think this is the next big thing. And that's been part of the growing process for me is how do you pierce that? How do you get underneath that to where you're not just speculating purely on news and emotion, but where you're, you're having more calculated speculation, let's put it that way. It's like a calculated gamble as opposed to just, I don't know, just throw mm. something at that, mm. <clears throat> right? And you start to learn little things, maybe the most basic one of which is, hey, if you're, if you're speculating on an asset that's already showing up in the Coinbase marketplace, you've probably already missed it. Um, not to say that you won't find something that goes parabolic. Uh, you've probably already missed the parabolic rise. Mm. Um, by the by, the time it gets onto a Coinbase exchange, it's because it's developed some level of stability, some mm. level of consistency, some level of long term potential, such that a Coinbase with that brand market, uh, with that brand equity, they don't want some bullshit coin right in their exchange. They don't want some scam coin in their in their exchange. So th- they want. Um, validation before they're going to put something in their marketplace. So mm-hmm. once it hits that marketplace on the good side, it's like, Hey, this is maybe something that has more legs to it. Uh, on, if you're looking for those parabolic returns, it probably has happened prior to that. So that's where you start to learn. Well, how do you, which begs the question, how do you find out of an asset before it hits these exchanges? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been connecting with people who are teaching me how to do that and better understanding you know, which ones has potential and which one's, you know, more of a gamble, et cetera. But you're taking slightly more calculated uh, guesses, risks than than just a, a pure shrug of the shoulders. Right. And, and how can you get involved with some of those at, uh, at an earlier stage if, if they're not on some of the more trusted exchanges? You know? Right. One of the things that... Um, to answer that question is you either have to know enough about what you're doing to be able to go in, find these projects, get in their, their, the early conversations. A lot of these projects will have um, discord right now is the popular channel where they're all building out their communities. And so you can, you'll, you'll, you're here about a project. You can join their discord channel, start to um, ask questions, find out, is there a thriving community here? Is there energy and momentum here? Um, what are the fundamentals? Uh, any project that's worth its salt will have the white paper. You can read the white papers to find out what is this new technology? Why is it different? Why is it better? Um, who's the team behind it? What's the tech behind it? Um, et cetera, et cetera. So you can start to do your analysis, your homework to find out, are these projects you know, something that are going to be worthwhile or not? And then like I've been connected with uh, a buddy of mine, Brayson, who I've had on my podcast and I joined his mastermind 
And he's an incredible technical mind uh, of finding these projects, doing that preliminary homework, and then uh, bringing attention to it as a quasi-passive investor that I am. Um, he brings it to my attention. Then I go and do a little bit more research on my end and decide if it's something I want to throw a little bit of money at or not. That's cool. Uh, you should ask him about nodes. I heard nodes are really a great place to invest. Uh, nodes. nodes uh, I have a, a, this to me, it feels like a little bit of a rite of passage um, because I, I missed out on a node opportunity because I didn't really fucking know what a node was and what that even meant. Um, and I have since found out that that node that I was going to buy for a thousand is now going for 27,000, except I wasn't just going to buy one. I was going to buy a handful of them. So you do the math on it. I'm like, oh, it hurts. And nodes, it hurts. Nodes, nodes are what? Nodes are the things that uh, verify blockchain? Uh, so I Data? think a, a node essentially is another word for like a computer. <laughs> um, if I understand it correctly. And if you're a node expert um, and you're rolling your eyes, my apologies. But as I understand it- I have it, a lot of I, those listeners. Oh, node, node experts. Node experts tune yeah, in talking about a lot. Yeah. Talking about uh, getting the ladies. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, as I understand it, it's basically your ba- your when you're investing in a node, you're investing in computing power in a particular network or a particular um, project or ecosystem. So, the one that I was looking at it was a financial team. They had put together a whole bunch of financial products from insurance to um, lending and and other financial products like that. And so the node that I was buying or essentially I was getting a license for. So they, as I understand it, they have, let's say they have a um, hundred servers and on each of those servers is, is, you know, each of those servers is a computer and each of those computers might have a thousand nodes on it. And so it's basically um, you're capitalizing the processing power to run that new network that that project if you will so when i got a license for that node it was a, essentially what i was buying was um the right to quote unquote own that node in their in their ecosystem that they were building within the broader uh, mm-hmm. crypt, cryptoverse mm-hmm. so i think that, that that that's where that's my understanding of it the second <laughs> that might change yeah. tomorrow yeah but, yeah that would have been pretty sweet if you'd been able but but things are that's just a good example of how fast things are changing. You know, you've really got to be able to just part preparation, part luck. Yep. Part exactly. uh, Meeting those two intersections. Yes. And that really, for me has been my game plan is how do I immerse myself into this more so that I increase the likelihood of me being lucky. Um, uh, Another, I don't know if I told you about this one the other day, but I bought a, um, I bought some tokens from a friend of mine who's who's an expert in the gaming space. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole play to earn um, strategy where people are you're literally playing games and you're earning by playing the games. You're earning tokens within the game that become uh, resaleable in the real world. And so people are making money literally playing games. Um, well, this friend of mine mentioned uh, some tokens that were coming up. It's a, it was a new gaming project, and again, right now there is a little bit of a shrug the shoulders. Okay, let's go for it for me on my part because I just want to get involved. I just want to experience a transaction. I just want to put some, like literally saying, okay, I'm going to take 500 bucks and invest it 
there's a lot of little hurdles you have to jump through for some of these non if you're just getting started, go to Coinbase. It makes it very simple. But if you're looking to buy some new tokens and this new game that's coming out, well, the only way to really do it is if you buy BNB and you do you go to Pancake Swap and you swap it over for this other token. It's like, wait, 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 what? What did you just say? And so, like, I just wanted to throw a little bit of money just to get involved so I could start to go through the transactions and go, oh, okay, I had to buy BNB first, which then I had to swap over to this new token. So now I have those tokens in my MetaMask wallet and. Oh, but I had to set up a MetaMask wallet. So I had to go through all of that, which mm-hmm. helped me learn. So I, I really saw it as like, hey, I'm, I'm paying. This is my education. And if it happens mm-hmm. to make me some money, even better. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so I bought this I bought this token. At, I think they were at uh, two cents per token. And um, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I talked to my friend the other day. And he's like, hey, you know, we all, we all enjoyed a nice return on that. How did you do? And I'm like, wait, wait, wait what are you talking about? And he goes, Oh, it went up to 61 cents <laughs> from two cents to 61 cents. I'm like, yeah, I missed that one. Missed the boat on that. <laughs> I, Cause I didn't even know that's the other half of it is like, once you get into it, do you, do you actively know what are the sell signals? What, what is your target? Do you have a plan? Yeah. And, and then what's your, what are the mechanics for getting out of it? So I didn't have any of that. I was just getting involved. I knew how to get in and I didn't even know how to, what signals to look for to get out. So guess what? that pissed me off. So now I'm a little bit like, well, what is my game plan? What is my exit strategy? What, right. what am I looking for? What are the buy signals uh, or the sell signals? Um, and am I watching those? And otherwise, obviously, what's the point of doing an investment? But again, this is for me, I'm in that mm-hmm. education space. So I'm willing to take a few lumps to learn along the way. Right. I've got a bunch of buddies who, uh, who just love like, or have enjoyed and, and don't necessarily do it now, just like day trading in, in the stock market, you know, and they watch the, and they look at the graphs and they know all this and that. Like, I think there's just obviously so many people who that's just not how their brain works or not what they enjoy doing, yep. which begs the question, which we've talked about before is like knowing what your actual goal is, you know, is it income? Do you actually want to live off of like, and if so, like, how does that work? Is it, uh, growth, like you need to know your risk tolerances. I'm more of the just buy and hold because I don't even know to your, to your point, nor do I make the time to really dive into the nitty gritty. That's why I sat down with my buddy at, at the coffee shop. And yeah, we went to so many different websites just to put some money into crypto. I have no idea. I would have no idea how to undo what we did. Exactly. So I guess I'm buying and holding because I don't know how to get my money. Out. <laughs> right. You know? right. You know, I faced that same thing too, because um, we've, we all have heard so much about the cryptoverse and Bitcoin and blockchain, this, that, or whatever you, you can feel the momentum, even if you don't really understand or what's going on. And I, 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 I'm intuitive enough in this space to say, okay, there's something here. I finally, I was pushing it off. This was last year. I was pushing it off, pushing it off. I'm like, fuck, I know there's something here. I might as well finally just lift up the hood and, and figure it out. So I finally took the plunge. And as soon as I did that, I started to realize the things that I didn't know before and <clears throat> started to see the opportunity and the reasons why everybody's so excited about it. I started to answer those questions for myself. Um, but as far as uh, actually investing and um, like you said, uh, having having a background in day trading, um, if you're going to be more active in swapping and buying and selling and, and looking to ride these waves, you really ought to have a some type of education in a day trading type of, of environment because there's it's very similar. Um, and that's the one thing I didn't realize 
when I was getting into crypto, I was like, oh, this really is this really feels a lot like day trading. And I had developed an identity that was very anti-day trading. I don't want to look. So here's what was really interesting. I had all these stories in my head about what that is and what that was, how I'm not those things. And I came to a crossroads where I'm like, if I'm going to stay in crypto longer, I have to address these limiting beliefs in my head. So one of the limiting beliefs in my head was I don't like numbers. And and crypto and everything is like, you just flooded with numbers and data. And it's like, oh, it's like, it hurts my ADHD brain. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, uh, I'm not a day trader. I don't want to look at six. I don't want to sit down on my computer and look at six screens. I don't want to be tied to my computer all day long and, and being paranoid and, you know, about every little uptick or downtick. Like, I don't want to do that. So those were all beliefs. And having done the personal development work that you and I have done, I realized, okay, well, wait a second. That's my belief. Is that actually true? Um, And is there enough momentum there for me personally to want to get involved in this space to to reconstruct those limiting beliefs and find empowering ones? So it's been a very interesting process because what's happened is um, I started to tell my monkey brain, I'm like, well, what if what if it wasn't what if the numbers were telling you something that you were interested in? So I'm, I'm very interested in psychology. I'm very interested in human behavior. And really that's all this is, is you're, all these numbers and all this stuff is just documenting human behavior. Why are people, and, and now I started to translate it into things that I feel like I have a little bit more expertise in. And it's like, oh, well, why would people be scared? Why would people rush to Bitcoin right before a halving event? Why would therefore there be spillover into the altcoins after people feel like Bitcoin hits its peak in that particular cycle. You start to unravel that. And then I found myself literally like a few days ago, I had to laugh because I'm looking at something. I'm looking at these charts, which I starting to understanding and I'm seeing the, the chart segments and I'm seeing the Fibonacci, you know, uh, projection and all this stuff. And I'm like, I literally said to myself, God, I wish I had a few more screens because everything's so pushed together. Like I wanted more screens to spread this out. And I laughed. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm becoming that guy. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, isn't that interesting though? Um, because now that I have a little bit more education as to what day traders are actually looking at and why they feel like they can um, predict some movements or they're looking for signals and they're you know, leveraging their the, themselves. And I've learned a little bit more about um, the, 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 the portfolio, uh, shoot, what do they call it? Just rebalancing, um, as different assets take peaks and valleys, I'm like, Oh, this makes so much sense. So now I'm actually excited about it. Now I'm like, I, you know, give me more charts. I want to see, I want to play around with this a little bit more. So that's, that's the phase that I'm in right now. Yeah. I guess you can, it, it really comes down to the kind of the analogy of if you're tunnel, visioned versus just having a really good peripheral vision and being able to see the landscape. You know, if you were tunnel visioned and you were a a gazelle out in the Sierra, then you'd be cooked, you know, but when it comes to actually being able to be effective in this type of landscape too, you got to be able to see literally at at the same time, a lot of stuff. Otherwise it just slows you down, obviously, and probably it's more work than needs to be done to be able to, to see everything see the opportunities yeah. happening in real time. To use that analogy, um, I, I did a survival course that I've told you about a while ago, but um, it was with Tom Brown. 
Um, this guy's fascinating and he grew up learning the native American ways of survival. And yeah. one of the things that he teaches is this thing called what he calls wide angle vision versus narrow vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that nature will, um, he's like an Eagle flying overhead will go into very narrow vision to pinpoint a little rodent that's maybe miles away and then flex out into wide angle vision to make sure that there's no predators around that it needs to be aware of. And then it goes into narrow vision. And so there's this inhale, exhale type uh, refocusing and then relaxing. And to me, I, I've, I've taken that um, into almost everything else I've done. So with respect to crypto, it's like, narrow, narrow focus on what is your goal? What is your intention? Um, having a clear strategy, having a clear plan, and then being able to flex out to exhale out and go, you know, what else am I missing? What new information might there be? Do I have enough information? What information is the, the big mile, uh, needle moving information data points versus the ones that are just kind of noise. And you start to siphon out the stuff that doesn't matter. And then once you figure out what the big block pieces of data that are important. Now you're really, you're not really constantly consuming and having to sort through data. You're just looking at data signals that is very easy to, to process. Um, but you don't get there until you deal with the pain of, oh, I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to deal with this. This sucks. There's too much information. There's too many bells and whistles by ADHD brain. It feels like I'm in Las Vegas. I want to push all the buttons. Like yeah. it's hard, right? So you have to get through that to where all of that starts to become noise that your brain doesn't even look at anymore because you're just looking for the key pieces. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. But but going back to your personal experience, like because I feel like that's a pretty big leap that a lot of people don't do, which is being having the awareness, obviously, to know that they have a lot of stories, you know, that they've created about, and, and I have similar ones in terms of I just don't like math, I don't like the 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 numbers, I don't like all the you know. It's just not my thing. It's too much data analysis paralysis. So it's a big leap that you've made. Um, but what was still the underlying driver for you to get into it? Was it to make a lot of money? Was it just because it's, it's, it's exciting technology? What, what was your driver? Um, certainly abundance is a driver. Um, uh, full transparency. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm not in it to, um, to just, you know, have fun. It is fun, but I'm, I'm looking to grow my wealth. Number one, number two, um, there's a lot of energy and passion here, um, which I find also fuels my energy and passion. So I like to connect with other entrepreneurs who have exciting ideas. I like to be in that space. Um, fundamentally, if you understand what's going on in the world, at least from the perspective that I'm looking at it in, you see this as um, an ecosystem that is fueling independence and freedom, as opposed to uh, the bureaucratic, technocratic, um, manipulative system that we're gravitating out of, um, that we're seeing, oh, this is a, you know, this, this has the potential of being a very um, fascistic environment. Well, why is it fascistic? Because there's these power centers, right? There's data power centers, there's financial power centers. Well, blockchain disrupts that. It's very disrupt. It's disruptive technology at the very core of what our entire human modern system 
is built on, which is money. So you look at how much, I think we touched on this in the last conversation. You look at how much Netflix has disrupted, you know, television and movies. You look Mm -hmm. at um, back in the day, Napster and how that evolved eventually into iTunes and Mm -hmm. how much that disrupted the music industry. Do you remember when Napster came out and how pissed the music producers were and they started going after, you know, some 15 year old kid in his basement? Like they were, that was their enemy. And it was like that. That didn't make for great headlines, number one. It also, mm-hmm. technologically, you're fighting a peer-to-peer network. There's no central system to take down. But there's no way to stop it, yeah. There was no way to stop it. And and but the point that I'm getting at is look at how, how much they fought and how frustrated it was for that power center, the music industry. And obviously, the mu- uh, movie industry was saying, shit, once bandwidth gets big enough, they're going to be doing this with movies too. Now we have a problem. So those two industries are mega huge industries, but those are just two industries. Now we're looking at the technology that's disrupting all industries because it's all re- built on currency. It's all built mm-hmm. on money. So you're disrupting it at a very, very core level, which to me is exciting. And not to say that, you know, I, there is a, there is a way to me, these systems get built out in parallel and there's a, in a perfect world, there's maybe a slow, but um, sustainable transference of, of energy investment, uh, money, capital, et cetera, that we can move into this new ecosystem Mm-hmm. Um, without without the the power hung the power centers absolutely freaking out and trying to wreak havoc as they're losing control, um, mm-hmm. whether that happens or not, time will tell. But I'm not mm-hmm. holding my breath. Yeah, right, right. So, but th- th- those were some big reasons for me. Fundamentally, spiritually, uh, this is where freedom is. Economically, there's momentum here. There's there's potential for parabolic asymmetric returns, which is something mm-hmm. that we look for. Um, it's new. It's fun. The people that are involved in it, there's a lot of energy, entrepreneurial energy, which I love. I love meeting new people. I spoke to, I spoke to, dude, I talked to this kid yesterday. He's 25 years old and his dream was to become a fashion designer. And next thing he knows, he's building an apparel line that he's calling play to, uh, I'm sorry, earn to where, where to earn W2, W2E. So you're going to earn tokens by wearing his stuff. I'm like, dude, that's, awesome that's crazy like you're bending my mind right now when you say that what does that even mean where's mm-hmm. the economics behind that how do you pull that off he's like you know i've got celebrities that are wearing my stuff i'm doing this you take a picture of my all in my, the metaverse it's it's well some of it's in the metaverse but some of it's not so you go to some big you know it's just i just did a podcast with chris gronkowski he's heading out to vegas with all his brothers the gronkowski brothers and they're they're gonna have a uh, draft party yeah. right but you take my other friend who's the the apparel guy and you're wearing one of his shirts and you take a picture with Gronk and all the, you know, the NFL players and you post it on social media and you put hashtag whatever, uh, like his system, I, I'm, he's going to be on my podcast soon. I'm going to ask him how the economics behind is, but mm-hmm. you're going to get paid for that, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the retweets hmm. and I don't know, whatever else. But it's like, oh shit, like th- these are just brand new ideas. And, and I bring these up to my kids and they're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, how do you do it, dad? Like, where, do, where is it? Okay, cool. Thanks. Mm. Bye. It's like, there's no, there's no um, growth curve. There's a very little growth curve for them. It's just, they accept it and they run into it. So there's some danger to that, of course, um, in the grand scheme of things. But at the same time, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of, 
new ideas, new building, new creations, innovations, yeah. which yeah, you know, I'm I dig that. It's uh yeah, it's pretty mind blowing uh, to say the least. Um, I feel like we've been talking in in some regards, although we got into it a little bit with NFTs, but a little bit more of the the wide angle. So taking it more to the what do you say wide angle to narrow narrow, narrow vision yeah narrow vision yeah um, maybe we can kind of uh, at the end of the the last time we chatted we you talked about like okay just just get started you know yep buy some yep. Bitcoin that sort of thing. Uh, but we definitely kind of leaped over the, the topic of wallets and exchanges and what those are. Maybe we can kind of get into the nitty gritty a little bit on those things uh, for those who are like, okay, cool. All this makes sense. But again, if I'm just wanting to get in the game, you mentioned buying Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatnot, how, like, where do I buy those? Where do I store them? You know, mm-hmm. maybe you can put some context to that conversation. Sure. So one thing to remember before we even get into the specifics is that people are building out this ecosystem and they're not wanting to make it, would it be advantageous for them to make it incredibly confusing and frustrating and difficult? Or would it be advantageous for them to try to mimic what's all what you already have and to try to replicate what you already have so that it's more easily adaptable, right? So because I say that because there's so many times where I've tried to learn this stuff and I'm like, this seems way more complicated than it needs to be. And then I remember like, hold on, like it's to their advantage to make this simple. What am I not understanding? And I simplified in my brain and then I go, oh, I see what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. for example, um, what do you, if, if I gave you, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars today, um, like what would you do with that money? Well, you'd want to put it into an account. Buy a boat. Right? Yeah. Right? Uh, account into account. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. An account, an account. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, h- hookers and cocaine. No, no, no. Oh yeah. Safety in a, in yes. a in an yes. account. Yes. That's yes. what I meant. Yes. yes. Um, so you'd, you'd want to put it into an account, right. And you'd want to have, and then you would have some money that you would take out of that and you'd put it in your wallet. Right. So there is a, there's a similar thing going on in the crypto space where there's an exchange where you go and buy your, your crypto coins um, like a Coinbase. And then when you do buy that, you those get deposited into your personal wallet. So Coinbase is an exchange, but they also offer a wallet so that you can hold your, your assets in your wallet. Um, that wallet has its own address, like you have an email address. So if somebody wanted to send you coins, they could send them directly to your public wallet address and it would send directly to that wallet. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So the issue comes into play where let's say you want to buy something, but it's not on Coinbase. Okay, so this is where you start to get get to. For me, that was like, oh, I'm starting to dip my toe a little bit more into this space because I want to buy stuff that I can't get at what I thought was the biggest exchange. What do you mean I can't get it at Coinbase? Well, as I explained to, to me, I kind of think of it as like, oh, Netflix, Peacock, Hulu. Yes. Disney plus it's like, I can't wait. I can't get all the same. Oh, okay. If I want these movies, I have to go, or these shows, I have to go to that. It's kind of that type of thing, right? That's a hundred percent that. And they're, they're competing, right? So they want the best Netflix wants the best shows on theirs so that you buy into their platform. Peacock wants the best on theirs. So they're competing, um, to, for attention and for, for, you know, your membership. So your subscription. So, um, there are only some coins that can get through, uh, through a Coinbase. And again, to be clear, Coinbase is a centralized company operating within 
blockchain. So just because you're in blockchain doesn't necessarily mean that everything is quote unquote decentralized. Mm -hmm. This is a centralized company. Um, and the reason why that's important is because if you put all your assets in that, and for some reason, the government came and said, hey, we need to freeze all. I think New York actually said that they were looking to ban Bitcoin or something like that. I don't know. But if if a big government entity did that, they could go to the one Coinbase and say, freeze all those accounts or whatever. There, you only have to deal with that one Coinbase. Whereas if it was peer-to-peer, -peer, if it was decentralized, going back to that Napster uh, analogy, it's a bunch, you know, you're hurting cats at that point. It's like, there is no central place to go after. Right. So, um, so there are other coin basic like exchanges that are decentralized. Um, Binance, Gemini, uh, Gemini is headed up by the Winklevoss twins, who some people know is, uh, oh, love them. oh, they're so cute. So cute. <laughs> are they male or female they sound like uh dr seuss characters a little bit yeah or something uh, from like charlie and the chocolate factory <laughs> the Vinklevoss twins yeah Oompa Loompas. Uh, they might be cute but they are male so i don't feel like i have a great expertise yeah. on that yeah, uh lost, they they were the ones um that uh said that zuckerberg stole facebook from them Remember that movie? Uh, social oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Interesting. The network so these guys, these guys are making Something their, there. making their run. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, so that's a decentralized exchange. Um, uh, so just remember exchanges are, you know, I, I think of, you talk about, you know, Netflix, Peacock and stuff like that. I think of them as like the mall, you know, you go to you go to one mall and you can get access to certain stores, but if they don't have, you got to go to a different mall. So these are to me these are different like malls to go buy products in, um, which is why you want to set up when you're just getting started. One of the things that I did was I just started signing up at all these different exchanges because things happen very quickly and it takes time to set up these accounts. They have what's called um, uh, shoot C C Y I. Um, certify your identity or something like that. Um, it's slipping my mind. I should know that, but basically it's, they have to verify that you are who you are. So when you set up an account, they will often ask you, um, you know, all your information, social security, there's, uh, tons of to, hoops. there's a decent amount of hoops. Um, yeah. but some of them do it. They're a lot quicker now. Like literally when I did it, even just a year ago, it was, thank you for your information. We'll get back to you. And it took three, four days. Now, a lot of them, you can do it. They'll have, they have some algorithm that verifies your, the picture of your um, driver's license that you send in. And within 10, 15 minutes, you're, you're verified. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but still it's advantageous to you to go ahead and get set up in, in the main exchanges, because then you have access to a broader width of assets that, that sometimes you'll want to buy one and sell another one and they're in different exchanges and you have to do some maneuvering. So you want to have, um, you want to have your, your bases, um, in order to the bases in order. Bases is covered. Bases covered. Thank yeah. you. Bases covered. Yeah. Um, before that happens, especially if you're trying to sign up as an institutional account, this is something I learned the hard way. Um, that most places, most of these exchanges are fairly quick to sign up consumers. But if you're wanting to sign up as an instant, what they call an institution, i.e. if you're wanting to sign up, uh, if you have a trust, if you have a, a corporation or some type of entity that's wanting, you're wanting to buy and sell in that name, it mm -hmm. takes 
it's from, in my experience so far, it's taken longer. In fact, it's taken sometimes months before I get uh, even word back and <laughs> you got to fill out all this documentation and all this stuff. Yeah. That's frustrating. Um, it, it certainly can be. Um, so to, to go a little bit deeper with the different types of tools to better understand the landscape. So you have the exchanges, um, then you have wallets. Like I said, some of the wallets, <coughs> excuse me, some of the wallets, um, are integrated with the exchange already, um, which can be confusing because you sign up and you buy something in exchange and you have it and you can see it in your quote unquote portfolio, but you don't necessarily think of the wallet being a separate, um, technology, mm -hmm. right? So it's helpful to know that there is a separate technology because you can have a wallet. MetaMask is, um, one of the top, uh, decentralized wallets where it's just a wallet and you can sync it up to whatever you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, so MetaMask is a popular one that, uh, that people ought to look into. Um, another thing to think about is cold and hot wallets, uh, hot wallets or warm wallets are wallets that you're going to be act actively using more. A cold wallet is like, Hey, I have, you know, 250 grand it's in Bitcoin. I'm going to ride it out. Like that's going to go in my will. I'm not going to touch it. That's going to go in what's called what we call a cold wallet, which is um, there's uh, Ledger has has one. The company's name is Ledger. Um, there's another one called Trezor, Trezor, um, and you can buy these hardware wallets. It looks like a little USB key kind of thing, and they'll mail it to you. And then you can store, you can literally store your Bitcoin or your crypto on that uh, cold wallet. And store it in a safe. Put it in. You know, put it in your pocket. You could carry it. You know, across a border. If you had a hundred, you could carry a hundred million dollars in your pocket now, which is that's brand new. We could you couldn't do that before. Now you could say, oh, I could have that money uh, digitally. You know, like right now we log into my. I still have it, but that's in peacetime. Tell that to a, a, a Ukrainian that's fleeing his country right now. And all of a sudden the accounts go blank and he can't access that. I mean, there are people whose lives literally have been saved because they had crypto in their, in their pocket, literally in their pocket on a little cold wallet yeah. that they were able to then plug back into the internet and get access to. Um, so these things, you know, matter in those intense type of times, but um so that's, yeah, that's a cold wallet. Uh, I will say, do not, uh, I do not recommend buying cold wallets on Amazon. You can find them on Amazon or, or other places like that. You want to buy direct because people are buying these cold wallets and then they're um, putting some type of reader on it or whatever. And then they'll resell it to you on Amazon. And it looks like an official purchase, but you're actually handing over, which is very scary, obviously, when you're talking about investing, you know, maybe a decent part of your portfolio. Um, so just buy direct. Uh, when you buy direct, you should get a, there should be like one of those stickers on it that's, you know, if it's been tampered with, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you can do that. Um, once you buy a cold wallet, you'll get what's called a seed phrase, um, which is a string of like 14 words, random words um, that becomes your ultimate password. You, ha you actually have a password, but then you also have a seed phrase. And that seed phrase is like your backup password. Um, and if you lose that seed phrase, and there's been documented cases now where people have literally lost access to millions of dollars because they couldn't remember their seed phrase. And what's been painstaking, and I've seen articles on this too, where um, somebody like 
sometimes people will memorize their seed phrase. They'll turn it into a song or something like that and maybe teach it to their kids or whatever. So, you know, so that they have more security around it, but they like, can't remember the last word or something. And then they go to put it in. And I think you can, I don't know, it's like five or maybe 10 times, but once you screw it up 10 times, it malfunctions the whole device and you can't access it ever again. Mm. So, so these people are like on their eighth try or their ninth try. And they're like, shit, I think I know what it is, but I don't, you know, you don't want to screw it up. So anyway, don't Jeez. lose the seed phrase. Uh, it's that's access to your whole portfolio in there. So, yeah, when I, when I got those two and I jumped through all those hoops, I'm like, what, gosh, this is pretty freaking, you know, intense, the security. And I've, and I do have uh, a wallet, you know, that I've had sitting in my bedroom for probably two months now, still unopened. Cause I'm like, what do I need to do? I guess it's yeah. probably self-explanatory. It should, you know, I should open up and obviously and transfer those seed phrases and passwords onto that and everything else. Um, but yeah, it just, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to take in with all this stuff, you know? So, yeah. Well, the thing that scares me is like, if I put stuff on that, like now I can't, I like, I'll lose stuff all the time. Not yeah. all the time, but like that just makes me nervous to have this tiny little thing. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if I have a lot of money on that, that's just I'm a little a little nerve-wracking. But yeah, as opposed to as opposed to what? Like that's the thing that a lot of people a lot of people who haven't gotten into the crypto space yet, you'll hear them say, Well, you know, well, how's that any different than what we have now? Or like how's that more secure than what I have now? And when you really look at what we have right now, it really isn't that secure. It's you're just as hackable. You're just as, I mean, identity theft is rampant. Um, the, the amount of money that you have in your bank account is hackable. You know, all this stuff is, is if anything, you're moving into a greater security than what you had before, but you do need to know what you're doing. It's weird because we're like stepping into the future while stepping into the past. Yeah. In some regards, you know, yeah, it's like yep. you're right. The money, none of us have, you know, whatever money we have in our bank account, you know, underneath our mattresses when they used to do that, right? Or in gold yep. in the basement. Um, and so we get used to thinking that our money, which is just numbers on a, on a screen, is actual money, but someone could, the government could come in and just wipe us clean, you know, or yep. to just take us all to zero. It's interesting to think about like, Oh, okay. If I did have that money and I put it into a safe somewhere. Okay. At least that's, it's just, yeah, it's, again, it's, it's a weird concept to think about now. Again, you know, we think of the cloud as being secure and we can put everything on the cloud. It's just more convenient. And then the idea of actually taking something, putting it in a safe is like, wait, why would we do that? That's so mm -hmm. yeah, definitely archaic, but yeah. It's interesting. There's a lot of different uh, processes that people are obviously coming up with to ensure that you don't forget these things. And, you know, but that's the thing. Humans are humans and we forget shit and we lose shit. And like, there's gotta be some way to work with those types of human fallacies, you know, yes. with this whole yes. thing. I, it's my understanding that you could get, let's say you damaged your your cold wallet it got run over or something like that you can get a new one but and so long as you have your seed phrase and your password etc you can you can retrieve um your stuff so i think there are some ways around it but um yeah it's still it still kind of freaks me out <laughs> yeah i'm sure a lot of people are learning some expensive lessons yeah on on behalf of all of us you know 
the early uh, adopters. One of my one of my crypto mentors um, has been in the game for a while, and he bought Bitcoin. Uh, he he sent a thirty thousand dollar wire to buy some Bitcoin, which at the time I forget exactly how much it was, but in today's dollars would represent forty million dollars. Mm. And he so he bought that number of Bitcoin, and uh, the exchange that he thought he had them securely in got hacked and or is a scam or something and there's there's no recourse he's like damn that's 40 million bucks that was 40 million dollars in today's dollars that's you know life-changing money mm-hmm. and what's fascinating about this guy is he um he talks about emotional management and it's probably a good thing that for us to just touch on at the very least because when you're dealing with this highly volatile speculative um new uh, revolutionary type technology and ecosystem. Uh, there's a lot of emotions that can be involved. And the thing that I'm learning right now is have a game plan. And when I say that, I've heard people say that to me before. And I'm like, I don't, I honestly didn't even really know what that meant other than like, have a have an idea as to what you want to sell at or whatever. I, don't, I didn't really know what that meant. But now that I've been spending some more time in it, if you don't know what your target price is for the coin that you're investing in, you don't have a game plan. So when I say get a game plan, you want to educate yourself enough to know what is a reasonable target exit for the coin that you're in. Unless you're more in the like, I don't know. I don't care. I think Bitcoin's going to be around and and in 10 years, it's going to be worth a hundred grand, a million bucks. I don't know however much I'm willing to just dump it and forget about it. Okay. That's cool. That's your prerogative. If you're looking to actually, um, actually calculatingly uh, speculate in crypto, develop the enough, enough education to where you can look at a coin and say, I think it's undervalued right now. I think it's going up to this price point. I'm going to be selling at that price point and exiting that coin. If you don't have that, you don't have a game plan. And now you really are subject to a whole whirlwind of emotions and paranoia and anxiety around it. So I'm I'm learning how to um, come up with those. The other thing that is was a really, this sounds so dumb. I'm like kicking myself now that I, have a little bit more experience and wisdom around this, but let me take a step back. When I was in real estate, I got involved in real estate in the early 2000s, which was just the beginning of the real estate bubble and the bubble. real estate wave, because um, yeah. every everything was moving out of the dot com bust and moving over into real estate. Mm-hmm. Interest rates were super low, and so I was riding that wave. Um, I woke up one morning in 2005. I shot out a bet. I shot up, literally shot up and was like, sell everything. Like it just was call it divine inspiration, call it whatever you want. But I woke up that morning. I was like, I need to sell everything. The, the more immature thought that I had was, is if I think I need to sell one property because I think the market's peaking, then I need to sell all of them. It's a, it's an all in or all out thing. When I've come to learn, I'm talking to more day traders and better understanding, you know, how to manage your emotions, how to manage uh, the portfolio rebalancing and stuff like that. It's like, well, what if I just sold half of them? So like, there's a part of you that's like, 
part of the reason why we honestly, part of the reason why I didn't sell was because we were enjoying such ridiculous returns that it's like, I don't want to miss out on those returns if I sell today. But what if I sold out? What if I really felt like, hey, we're there's some real clear signals here that this is probably, we're probably at the peak of the market. What if I just sold 65% of the portfolio? kept 35%. If it kept going up, fantastic. If it dropped significantly, that would suck, but I had already taken I already won because I'd cashed out. Right? So that type of mentality allows you to have a plan to to make some decisions to where you're not all in, all vested in on these massive swings, you know when to take most of your profits. It's a win. You can leave some in, depending on whatever your tolerance is. You can leave some in, ride it a little bit more. But if it tanks, you suck it up and it tanks, but it only tanks with, you know, 15% of your portfolio yeah. instead of the whole thing. Right. Um, that, that one simple move, it's so dumb. It's so uh, elementary. And yet, um, had somebody offer that to me back when I owned real estate and I was feeling, I, for whatever reason in my head, it was, I'm either all in or I'm all at. I don't know why I just didn't say, well, why don't you just take some off the table, sell some, enjoy mm-hmm. the cash on those. Like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that, that to me is a, a little bit more of uh, a, a ner- little bit more of a narrow understanding of what you're trying to do, what you're looking to do. If you want to be more active in this whole, and uh, all the momentum in the cryptoverse right now. Yeah, I think it's, uh, and that goes to the things that I've read about Warren Buffett and Richard Branson and a bunch of the other hugely successful uh, Ray Dalio, the guys out there who really focus on minimizing their their, uh, losses. That's really what they focus on. They don't focus so much on how much money they can make, which is what people really get excited about. They really focus on, could I stand to lose, you know, what I'm going in with, you know? Yes. Um, and I think that is a more mature uh, approach to the game. So you're not really focused on getting greedy. Um, you're more focusing on like, can I mitigate that, the losses if I were to take a hit, you know? Yes. Ray Dalio talks about this uh, and Tony Robbins talks about it in their book, Unshakable, where you're looking for asymmetric returns, meaning uh, it, most people think in terms of like, if I'm going to invest in say real estate, or even the stock markets. Like I have 10 grand, uh, I'm going to invest it in this one property or a handful of a basket of stocks or whatever. And my hope is that it's going to go up and I'll be thrilled if it goes to, you know, if that turns into 15 grand in a decade or something, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. um, and yet on the other hand, the, the, the real estate market can drop, the stock market can drop. And all of a sudden that 10 grand goes to zero very quickly. So the idea of asymmetric returns is what, what calculated investment can you make where you where you spend a dollar and such that if you lose, you only lost a dollar, but that the winning side is much more parabolic to where you'll get a five to one return. So I think Tony talks about and Ray talks about a five to one ratio to where every dollar that you're spending, um, you're looking to get $5 back and minimizing and, and uh, guaranteeing that you won't lose more than $1. Uh-huh. Um, so you could have stop losses, you could structure deals in such a way that um, you minimize your losses, but yeah, having the expertise and the education to know how to how to minimize those losses while keeping the 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 gains uh, infinite is is a huge um, conceptual vantage point to bring into the crypto space. But you have to learn how do I minimize those losses? How do I make sure that I can um, not you know 
be taking a bath if something goes against what I want. You have to, you have to factor in and bake in contingency plans. Mm -hmm. Uh, What happens if this does this? What happens? What is the likelihood of this doing this? What is the likelihood of this doing that? Um, Factoring those into your game plan really helps you mitigate downturns, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. which again, is kind of what I think like, man, if you're going to really get into the space and you've got the, you've got the money, you've got the resources, like, it's one thing to go into a blind. It'd be another thing if you could actually hire a coach who really kind of knows, which is what you've done. You've done and getting them getting the mastermind. That's just such a way uh, to obviously minimize your losses and to, yes. uh, you know, accelerate your, your learnings, you know, um, because even as we're wrapping up this, this one, I'm like, okay, cool. The, let's go into, this is, we did 101, you know, intro to crypto. This is 102. Now maybe our next call will be 202. I don't, I don't have any more questions. I don't even know how to lead a conversation on 202. You know, you could, you know, but like, it's, it's beyond me at this point, you know? Yeah. I I, just to sort of answer that question to me and with this is what I'm working on right now is um, gaining confidence in my game plan, Mm -hmm. gaining confidence in um, how I want to allocate my capital across which coins, which assets, which, uh, I haven't really gotten into NFT right now. I'm just talking about coins, not necessarily NFTs and other things. But um, if I'm if I'm looking at those those assets, um, what are the what are the projections and predictions based on previous behavior? Um, because some coins will will predictably and not 100% of the time, but more than not, will follow um, their their uh, what do they call it? Um, ah, there's a term that I'm looking for, uh, ah, slipping my mind, but basically, you know, it'll echo what Bitcoin does. Right. Mm. So if you can see the track record and it does it, you know, six out of 10 times, seven out of 10 times, you know, you can, you can start to make some more educated, calculated, speculative decisions. <laughs> right. So I, yeah. I, I hesitate in saying an actual investment because these, it really is speculative right now. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of money to be made as people are flooding capital into this new space as it's being built out. Um, so that that is where it is exciting. I think for me personally, I like the stability of uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum um, and then play around with a smaller amount of my portfolio in the upcoming projects and, and also just learning um, mm-hmm. doing the correlations. Uh, rebalancing the portfolio. What is the exit strategy on the different coins? Yeah. How do you how do you move those into uh, other coins? If you have one coin that you think is going to go from five to ten, and it goes up to seven, and you have another coin that's at two that you think will go to ten, it's it's more advantageous for you to sell that one at seven, even though you think it's going to go to ten, and move all those profits down into the one that's still at two because it hasn't taken off yet, and you're going to get a much greater return on that second coin overall, it's just math. But like, I didn't know that before and I didn't even think to ask that, but I'm getting, I'm getting illuminated to the things that matter more in that space. And it's, it's exciting. Yeah. The last question I have and going back around full circle to what you kind of talked about, like you started educating yourself and looking for patterns. There's a lot of stuff that's going over your head. You didn't know what the terminology were was and all that sort of thing. Um, Obviously this is a podcast 
such as this uh, is one avenue. But what were some of the other ways that you were educating yourself? Was it uh, YouTube videos or articles or what, you know, how, if someone's like, okay, this is intriguing enough, but besides a, a podcast like this, where else would they go? Sources for education, anything that you would recommend? There's a ton of content on YouTube and there's of a ton of really great content on YouTube. Um, so much so that it might be overwhelming and you don't know where to begin. Start with somebody that knows what they're talking about. Start with somebody that uh, is a little bit further ahead of you and ask them who do they follow on on YouTube? Who are some of the um, reputable people that they follow? I follow a guy named uh, BC uh, Blockchain Backer is somebody that I follow who came recommended to me from other people who are well in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, but but even if you're just getting started, just literally go to YouTube and type in what is blockchain. And you know, there's several, there's lots of whiteboard type, um, simplified, dumbed down um, videos that will help explain this and just full transparency, even the simplified dumbed down ones. I was like, yeah, but I don't know what you're talking about. This is not dumb enough for me. Dumb it even further. So I would watch one of those and then easily you could watch that and it'll ask, you'll ask one other question. Well, I I don't know what you mean by smart contract. So then Mm -hmm. you Google that one and you just start to build out your portfolio of knowledge on these different ideas and then go back and watch the same thing again. Um, do you understand it this time? Is there something else that you don't fully understand? Google that again. Then go out and teach it to your 12-year-old. Teach it to a yeah. kid. Teach it to your wife or your spouse. Teach it to somebody. See, do you really understand it? Do you really get it? Like just even me doing this podcast, like I could feel my edges of like, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I know enough to sort of convey that I, yeah. <laughs> the concept that we're trying to discuss. Yeah. Um, so it's helpful for me to just spit it back out and see if I really get it. You know, um, go, go sign up. There's, there's accounts that you can sign up that are basically dummy accounts, um, which is, I think really great for kids to, to go on and just, um, and, and also for obviously adults too, who are just looking to get started and you can play around with a dummy account, um, Hmm. test some theories, ask some questions. Where do I get this? What is pancake swap? What the fuck is pancake swap? Why do people keep saying pancake swap? What is that? Why is that even in my vocabulary right now? Um, go to it type it into YouTube. What is pancake swap? Watch what yeah. they say. Um, the, the exchanges, I think we talked about this on the previous call. A lot of the exchanges will have, uh, you can actually earn coins by watching their little education. So a lot of these um, coins are looking to get attention, looking to get people to have them better understand the technology. And they're happy to pay you instead of paying for advertising, they're paying you to learn. This is their, their advertising. Uh, so they're paying you essentially to better understand what their technology is. And as you go through their little videos and, and click on a little quiz, if you get the quiz question correct, they reward you with actual coins. So you can build your portfolio with $0 simply by just investing a little bit of your time learning about these different technologies. I handed it to my teenage kid and, and next thing I knew, he'd made like a hundred bucks just... Mm-hmm. You know, because he got some of these coins and then they went up the next week or something. So mm-hmm. it's a lot cool. of different avenues to learn. Yeah. Okay. That's really helpful. And I know you've got uh, several good conversations, probably a lot more in depth than this, even on your podcast, right? You know, what's interesting is I did a couple of those conversations months ago now, and I remember them getting excited about certain things. And I was like, I know you're excited, but I don't, I don't really get why you're excited about that. And, and I remember learning a few things more recently going, Oh, I could, now I see why he was mm. so excited about that. My friend, uh, Bayman, 
who AKAs as Bitcoin Beamer, he's been wearing a Bitcoin. He was a gambler and, and uh, won a gambling tournament that was on ESPN and he had a Bitcoin shirt on. This is back in, I don't know, 2009, maybe 2010. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, ancient in terms of Bitcoin. But um, I, when I met with him, he was freaking out. He's like, it's almost alt season. It's almost alt season. I'm like, what are you, what does that mean? I don't get it. Well, alt season is when the altcoins take off when Bitcoin's peaked and like, okay, but like, how do I do that? Like, how do I take advantage of that? Now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, okay. Now I can see how I can position this better. I'm still Mm -hmm. not fully doing it yet. I'm, I'm close, but I'm, I'm not fully integrated yet, but those are the, you know, those are the, 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 the things that I, you get excited about. You could see why these people get excited. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and your uh tell the listeners your podcast name. I my podcast is Wired for Impact. Um, I talk about a lot of different things. I don't talk just about crypto. I talk to people who are passionate about what they do and they're looking to make an impact. Um, I'm a holistic I approach, you know, lifestyle, life design holistically. Um, to me, it doesn't make any sense to learn everything about crypto if your health sucks. So um, I talk to health experts. I talk to financial experts. Um, I talk to um, relationship experts and people who have inspiring stories. And so they all make it onto my podcast. And uh, so if you want to learn more about that, you can go to impactnow.com or you can search for it on Spotify, Apple, and just about any major uh, podcast distributor should have it. It's called Wired for Impact. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Um, and for those that want to connect with you, social media, social media, Instagram is probably the most accessible. You can reach me at my personal account, which is Peter King X. Uh, and then also at wired for impact, either one of those should work. Beautiful. I love it. So if you have questions, obviously guys that, you know, you're not bringing them to me because I'll probably have the same questions. <laughs> Take them to my brother uh, or someone smarter uh, than myself. But uh, thanks, dude. Thanks for explaining all that. It was really, really good stuff. I, I love yeah, I hope that helps. Every single time. 100%. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Cool. Um, thank you guys for listening as always. Um, I would say, obviously, go follow my bro. Check out what he's he's up to. Follow his podcast. Listen to his podcast, I should say um, do the, do the work, do the research on, on YouTube. If it interests you, um, there's, there's so much information, obviously in this information age, but until we catch up with you on another episode of the becoming Kings podcast, I'm Johnny King. We'll talk soon. Take care. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.